The top heavy is it? Can I can I join? Can no, I no, it's okay. No, you're okay. You're okay. I just um just Grant. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. Uh, John Kinsella, composer, Dublin-born, way back in 1932. Previous. Uh, Head of music in RTE music department, running the orchestras and string quartet and traditional music. Since the age of 30, I've been constantly writing music and have succeeded in writing almost 11 symphonies now at this stage and still enjoying it as much as ever. I was born in the house of an aunt of mine in Inchicore and we lived for the first seven, eight years of my life just outside Inchicore and there was no Ballyfermot then, it was all green fields. You could see from our house to the church, Chapelle Isolde, of great fame, Wagner fame, you could see that in, in the distance. Just after the war began, uh, my parents went over to visit some friends in Manchester and we were in the care of an aunt. And then something happened to prevent them from travelling back because of the wartime circumstances. But it meant that we had to be sent over to Liverpool to them and then we lived in Manchester for a few years. And I have distinct memories, very happy memories, of being bombed by Adolf Hitler in, in air raid shelters. Because the nice thing about that was that the policemen had plenty of sweets. So it was quite an adventure. But anyway, we left there uh, and came back before, it must have been around Christmas 1940, because the bombing got really bad. From there on, I lived near an aunt in James's Street, went to James's Street Christian Brothers School there. Finished my schooling at Intercert and then took up a job in Player Wales and went on from there. My mother played the piano, but with the benefit of hindsight now, I can see that she, she played it at family parties, you see, because these were in the days there was no such thing as television. And radio was very limited because you had to bring your battery down to have it recharged and people made music at home. But uh, my father had lots of um, old 78 records. People like Peter Dawson, American singer, Charlie Coons, very good pianist. There was music of one kind or another in the family, but it wasn't, it wasn't anything uh, special at all, more than any other normal family that you would have come across. And... Uh, my father was very interested in literature and in classical music, even though he was a labourer in Guinness and there was nothing else in his family. So these things just pop up out of nowhere. But he was a great influence um, in the sense that he introduced us to an awareness of literature and an awareness of music. And he brought us to concerts in the old capital RTE concert used to be on on a Sunday afternoon. Radio listening was a huge thing, even though where we lived near James's Street School was just a, a very small one-storey house, but there was a radio in the corner 
and that was my magic corner because uh, listening to proms and everything. There were always lunchtime concerts on the BBC Home Service, as it was called then. It was a mixture of speech and music. And uh, I was at school so near, I'd, I'd dash home for, for lunch and I'd be able to listen to a concert while I was having my lunch, you know. So I learned a huge amount that way. And then my father started buying scores when he saw the interest uh, growing. I still have some of those. I can show you one of those where I, I used to write in the date of the I heard September 1950 at Maserat, and we bought a new radio the day before, so obviously that was a big thing. Albert van Ralten 9351 11953 Vienna Philharmonic picked that up on the radio from the Edinburgh Festival. So I used to make notes. These were the scores that my my father bought for me, you know, uh, quite a few. Uh, uh, of the main symphonic works. And then a friend of mine took up playing the violin and he suggested I go to his teacher. So I took it up, my mother brought me violin and started playing. And that led me to um, taking lessons in, in the School of Music, as it was, you know, in, in Chatham Row. Nobody played the viola, so I was elected to move from violin to viola, you see. And that's where I stayed for the rest of my life. And I've been playing chamber music constantly ever since. I was born with a love of music and reacted to music very young. I, I seemed to develop a need then to compose fairly, you know, uh, just as time went on. And one of the earliest things I did was they had a, a competition in RTE called the Carolyn Prize. And at the age of 17, I, I wrote a symphony for that, you know, without, without really having much technique or expertise or anything like that. And... Uh, that certainly was something I accomplished. And there's a book there on the stand. It's called Sixteen Symphonies by Bernard Shore. And it's dated 1949 for my birthday. And it was congratulations. So I think my father wrote that and it was because I had written the symphony. And this, this is the book... Um, Sixteen Symphonies by Bernard Shore, who was a great viola player in the BBC, BBC Symphony. And um, that's the, the 8th of April, 49, so I was 17 that day. Daddy, Mammy and Thomas, with best love and congratulations on your 17th birthday. And very early on, I latched onto Sibelius. And my brother and myself used to listen to Sibelius a lot when the, the first LPs came out. And I remember he brought home an LP of Sibelius first. And it was a Saturday morning. 
and I was mowing the grass and he went in with his LP and put it on and had the window open and we heard this eruption of the first movement of the Sibelius one with the drum beats and everything. And I dropped my mower and dashed in and we were stuck to this, you know, wonderful experiences. And my love of Sibelius has never lessened then, you know. This is my my workplace, the piano and the desk. I've had that for 30, 40 years. It's traveled with me from one house to another. And actually, the, the actual building uh, was put up with the, the fee I got for my seventh symphony. And actually, that's the what I'm working on. I, I, I custom make my uh, manuscript paper so that uh, when I decide on the orchestration, I, I make a template, if you like. So the, the benefit of using just one side is that I can whip them over and I, I can play the work in my mind. I, I love to be able to retain it a rhythmic flow through everything, no matter how slow it is. You were never tempted to switch over to computer? No, no. Even though I could use it quite easily, but pencil and a rubber and a pair couldn't be simpler. What I'm doing here at the moment is, um, you, you may know of the last eight symphonies of Sibelius. And this chap here, he's head of the Sibelius Library in Helsinki. Tim O'Virtonen, and he's done a, a big article about all the bits of sketches and things that uh, Sibelius left behind. But none of them can actually be identified as a sketch for the Eighth Symphony, even though they're close. So what I, I'm basing this work on some of the shapes of the rhythmic figures that I've found throughout his article, you know. So it's couldn't be further from trying to be a reconstruction of what Sibelius might have done. That is not the idea. So it's, it's almost the, uh, an ultimate homage for you. A homage, yeah, it's a homage. I wrote to him and said, would it, would it be necessary to get uh, permission from Sibelius' family for doing such a thing, you know? And uh, he said, well, what, what exactly are you doing? Well, I said, I'm just approaching it as somebody like uh, touching the garment of a prophet and getting inspiration from that. I said, no more than that. Oh, he said, go ahead, that's okay. So uh, he knows I'm at it. Yeah. And he said, if it turns out well, he thinks he knows somebody who might play it up there. Fantastic. So that would be the summit of my life, if that happened. For your work to be performed in, in Finland. Finland. And to have even a threadbare connection with the great man. When I got married, I became more stable and around 1960, you know, and I, I had more time to uh, think of taking up composition again. So I wrote some pretty strict serial pieces at that time and was very fortunate that I actually sent them into RTE and there was a, a series being run by Hans Waldemar Rosen then in those days and he was very kind to me and actually organized to play and record some pieces. Mm -hmm. 
and accidentally then the the whole business of dodecaphonic music came my way and that seemed to lead on. The fact that I dropped it is another matter but it still affects what I do. Another thing which had a big effect on me was going to a recital in what was in the, the Dawson Hotel, I think it was, the Kontarski brothers, the two pianists who played a complete evening of uh, Stockhausen. And that, that was uh, had a huge effect on me. It was like being hit by a hammer, you know, at the, the possibilities that of the imagination that opened out, you know. Very stimulating, you know. Nineteen sixties. Um, well, even though I, I was composing string quartets and odd pieces, I was totally engrossed in the whole computer programming thing, which was just a total revelation. You know, like um, it wasn't long after the uh, actual invention of the whole idea of computing as such. It, it was just like going into another world. You know, like the idea of actually coding in a funny kind of a way, gave me a terrific discipline as a composer because what you put in, you get out and attention to detail and you can't be hit and miss in, in any way, you know, because you learned that the hard way by putting a, running a test on a programme and the whole thing collapses because you've done something wrong. And there's a certain element of that in composition that when you hear something for the first time, you, you suddenly realise that that's not right, that's not quite what I meant. So the idea is to get it right before you release the score. And I opened the Irish Times one morning and there was a job in RTE advertised and a senior assistant to Jared Victory. And I applied for that and ended up changing over and that was a whole new world again. I was being paid for something I liked doing. I, I thought I was on a perpetual holiday when I joined RTE first, because I was involved in classical music and string quartets. And it happened just by looking at an ad in the newspaper. I could have easily missed it. And then it came to writing A Selected Life, which was a poem about Sean O'Reilly's uh, funeral and life. and. That was written for as many performances as I could get my hands on. Like there's a choir and a string quartet, baron player, full orchestra, harpsichord, and a uh, speaker, singer. The great Frank Patterson sang in that beautifully. John Beckett played the harpsichord. Great names. And... Just shortly after that, then, uh, my, my wife died, and that had a profound effect, obviously. So I kind of uh, dried up, you know, from a compositional point of view and everything else. And uh, I tried to write a few times, but got nowhere with it. And then I got a commission in for 1979 to write a piece um, for the Padraig Pierce Centenary, and they were looking for a short orchestral tone poem. And that was a stimulus to get back again. And I found myself 
writing in a much less organized way, like I was following my own instincts, melodically and harmonically and things like that. That, I suppose, was the turning point. Since then, I've been always working on something. Certainly the burst of symphonies, and when I retired from RTE, I couldn't possibly think of doing something like like that now, you know. Albert Rosen, again, was the stimulus for that because I had written a piece called Essay for Orchestras and um, he recorded that in the studio with some other pieces one time in RTE and he said to me some time afterwards, he said, that, that seems like the first movement of a symphony to me. Why don't you go ahead and do it? You know, we had a great rapport, you know. I took his word, at his word, and uh, that's, that's the way it ended up, so the first symphony. I was working on the second symphony when the opportunity to leave RTE and take up composition full-time came up. That was another great opening up, stimulating period, you know. And I never thought too far ahead. Like the, the, the commission I got, which bridged my financial problem gap, brought me uh, six commissions. So that's how it led to number seven. Number eight then was was an RTE commission because they had never commissioned me before. They had, it was a retirement package thing, you know. Uh, nine was a commission from the Irish Chamber Orchestra. Ten was a work that I wrote for myself and then started looking around for performers. And I'm in the same boat now with the new one. So each time I've finished the symphony, I said to myself, well, that's it. So... I won't say that anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So, it's something I was born with, didn't ask for it, and I just love music, you know. 